0: Good day, my name is Roger Molina, I'm the executive editor of the Leonardo Publications at MIT Press, and it's my pleasure today to moderate a discussion on a recent ebook that we have just published on water in the air, on ways in which artists and scientists are collaborating together on very important questions uh, relating to water. I'm now going to ask the other participants in this podcast to introduce themselves briefly. So Anique, maybe you could begin.
1: Hello, my name is Annick Bureau. I am a French Paris-based uh, art critic and curator, and I run uh, Leonardo Aulat. Uh, Leonardo Olatz is a French non-profit sister organization to Leonardo, and I've been guest editing this uh, e-book.
0: Thank you, Annick. Uh, Jean-Marc, maybe you could introduce yourself.
2: Okay, I'm Jean-Marc Chemaz, I'm a professor at Ecole Polytechnique, and I'm a researcher at CNRS uh, uh, France, and my field of research is uh, geophysical fluid dynamics, so this means uh, ocean and atmosphere, and this is uh, linked to the climate uh, change. And from, uh, for 24 years, I started building a new lab in, in Paris, and from the start, we got artists in residencies.
0: Very good, thank you. Uh, Michael and uh, Sean, maybe you could introduce yourselves.
3: Hi, my name is Sean Taylor. I'm one half of the Soft Day Collaboration. My background is in the visual arts. I'm I'm an artist and a lecturer in a master's program in socially engaged practice at the Leibniz School of Art and Design. And I've been working with Michael now collaboratively since 1999-2000.
4: And I'm Michael Farmstrom. I'm a university lecturer here at the University of Limerick in Ireland, Uh, and like Sean said, we've been working together since 1999. My formal background would be engineering and then computer science. I'm heading up a research group here on interaction design and also doing a lot of music technology. So there's a lot of number crunching going on. Uh, whether it's for pop or if it's for science, uh, but it's part of my daily job. But that has been largely shaped by our collaboration over the past 15 years.
0: Very good. Thank you. Now I'd like to ask Anique, uh, who edited this ebook, book to uh, explain a little bit about the project and maybe some observations she had as a result of working with all, all of you and the other authors in the in the book.
1: Well, obviously, there are many approaches to water in the earth, and putting together this e-book that is a selection of articles um, already published in Leonardo, plus articles coming from uh, workshops we organize with Leonardo OLADS, There are two significant trends that became obvious uh, while I was uh, browsing through all this material. Uh, the first one is the growing number of art projects and therefore articles dealing with environmental, ecological and climate change issues. And, um, and it is no wonder that most of them were published quite recently, that is within the last 10 years. And in this respect, um, Marb Creos by South Day is one of them. The second um, remarkable uh, thing that I noticed, um, and which is kind of opposite, is a long permanent trend, an ongoing trend uh, throughout the articles on hard hard science projects uh, that have been uh, published. And by hard science, I mean physics, fluid dynamics, waves, etc., um, with our projects dealing with this matter and I was not entirely expecting this as strongly.
0: Okay, thank you Anique. So now I, I'd like to, uh to, uh, soft day, uh, to maybe first uh, exp- just present very briefly the project that you that we have included in the ebook that you were involved in as part of the Leonardo Lovely Day, Lovely Weather project uh, and then maybe uh, give us a few topics, one or two topics to discuss. So first, uh, please present uh, the work you did.
3: Thank you. Well, as part of the uh, Lovely Weather Artist Residencies in Donegal, we were selected to work in a particular area of uh, West Donegal and respond to the effects of climate change within that geographical area. In our research, we discovered that there are two, uh, contested marine dead zones, uh, in, one in Donegal Bay and one in the inner harbour in Killybegs Harbour, which used to be the home of the Irish fishing fleet, which is a lot smaller these days. And so we worked up there for about a year and a half, uh, traveling up from our base in Limerick to work with the people in Donegal. So we, We consulted quite a lot of people in the project, we consulted scientists, we worked with Rosenberg and Diaz. Diaz is based in the Marine Institute of South Carolina, he's one of the world's leading experts on uh, marine dead zones. And we were able to uh, access their data on these two specific marine dead zones, which we then converted into, we took the data and converted into musical composition.
4: I mean, I, I could add that apart from the kind of global data that we got from Diaz and his collaborator, uh, we also got data from the Marine Institute in Ireland and the Met MetAIRN, which is the meteorological service, and from some of the uh, consultancy companies like Aquafact that do all the dirty work <laughs> for the authorities. So we got some wonderful, rich data to dig from, eight years of data in total, Uh, that we could harvest from and try to make sense of and try to understand how and why do these dead zones appear where they do, when they do it, and remains to be explained why. Mm.
3: And I suppose in terms of the topics that we were interested in discussing on this podcast and and also we were interested in exploring in this project was how how we could mediate the scientific data to the local population in Killeybags that are primarily affected by these marine dead zones. And what having two dead zones out in the bay actually meant for the community? Did were they aware? Did they care? Did they take any notice? And um, if they did take any notice, would they react, respond? And so this notion of this of a kind of a socially engaged approach to working with people Around the data is a very very important for us because one of the problems that we find with a lot of issues to do with climate change is that as soon as you start talking either the politics or the science of the of the subject that you're dealing with, the eyes and people's heads start to roll back and people tend to nod off or they become uninterested or or maybe a little bit too passionate perhaps and you you can't have you it's very hard to have a kind of a, a reasoned dialogue or reasoned discussion around the issues so. We were interested in if we created this piece of music and, and got uh, local musicians to actually play it, um, it would possibly give the, the data a, a more specific meaning to that space and place and to those people who live there. And um, and by involving as much of the people in the town of Killebegs as we possibly could do, and believe me, it was quite considerable in the in the end, I think we were able to manage to do that. We were able to create that space for debate around the issues of climate change and science, but through the creative lens or through the creative turn, as we like to call
0: it. Let me just pick up on the the, the whole question of socially engaged interaction in your practice. So can you could just thinking back as you were doing the work, maybe just explain to us how long it took you from the beginning to the end to do the work. And maybe how working with the local community changed the way that youth were thinking about the project?
3: Well, as soon as you start talking to people, it you know it's going to take you off in, in directions that you haven't possibly considered before. So, you know, we started we, we used to go up uh, you know for weekend trips because obviously we're teaching during the week and we were staying in Killibegs and we would just Talk to people we would we would walk down to the uh We'd go
4: down and hang hang around down the pier chat up local old fishermen and talk about what the fishing used to be and they would put us in contact with somebody else who had you no know, experience experienced how the fishing declined for instance and they had their own ideas why and how what was going on in the sea but you know the sea is this sort of opaque surface so we don't see what's down there normally unless you deal with some of the consultancy companies. So, somehow, in the, this dialogue with a circle of people that were was expanding week by week, there was kind of a deeper understanding evolving in that local community. It was interesting that for example, in Killebegs,
3: the headquarters of the uh, Irish Fishermen's Organisation, the IFO is based there. Yeah. And, and the, or KFO, yeah, well, Killebegs, but they used to be the Irish okay. uh, Fishermen's Organisation. And they're quite, uh, they're very, very political, very vocal, obviously, within, within the area, and very concerned about, uh, obviously the decline of this, the fishing fleet there. But when we first got up there, people were saying, oh, no, you you don't want to talk to those guys. You know, they're like the mafia. They don't talk. And if you start talking about marine dead zones to these guys, they are going to absolutely shut down the conversation. So they were the first people we talked to. And actually, they were really, really good. And they opened up a whole series of doors within the community for us that we hadn't possibly realized that were there before, including the Chamber of Commerce. And because we kept saying that, you know, the... The dead zones in the, in the bays are they're contested somehow that made it okay. We were able to uh, kind of navigate a way through the community where because we were perceived to be a little bit neutral in our approach, we were able to talk to both sides of the uh, contestation the uh the 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 deniers and the people who actually believe it was there so working in this way, this kind of socially engaged way with the evidence with the scientific evidence that we had it's it's a much slower way of working it takes it 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 evolves over a longer period of time and you have to be a lot more patient and you there's a lot of kind of waiting to see what happens or you know positing ideas letting them sit within the community and see if they kind of resonate back to you so it it was a much much slower way of working so uh, i think from start to finish we're we're talking at least nearly three years, weren't we, Michael? I think it was about that, was it? Was it? To,
4: uh, to end it felt like, it felt like yeah. that, anyway. Yeah. And, uh, on the ground, was it was about a year and a half. Mm. Very okay.
0: good. Okay, I, I'd like to bring Jean-Marc into the discussion. So maybe, Jean-Marc, you could just be, begin and explain the project that you have described uh, in the ebook, book uh, and then we'll follow up with a discussion uh, on some of the topics. So, Jean-Marc,
2: the project is an installation with the artist group called uh, AA, and the installation is a water tank. And inside the water tank, you have a globe, like uh, the uh, the globe we use uh, as a kid to uh, with the Earth uh, on it. And this uh, globe, at some point, will uh, rotate inside the water. And in the scenario, we inject at some um, at a particular time the uh, fluorescent dye just on the globe and this fluorescent dye will make a cloud that will uh, just be a very thin layer of uh, dye along the surface of the earth and this cloud will move toward the equator and then be released inside the uh, the fluid in kind of a very dramatic way it will escape into ether so nothing is realistic in this installation the name is uh, planet, Laborat- planet laboratory so it makes it really directly a planet inside a, a laboratory installation. And the idea is that we, uh, I'm doing fundamental science. And in that case, I'm using the fundamental science to do like a metaphor of something totally non-realistic for the Earth climate. But this will still speak about this uh, fragility of the uh, the atmosphere because you are producing a very thin layer. Uh, and all the dynamics from the scientific uh, scientific ground is also connected to the real earth, but uh, transposed in another way. So it's really a, a very metaphoric uh, installation. And the idea is that and this will uh, connect with uh, just what uh, people said just before: is that the uh, the idea is to also make a more sensitive approach to science, so not be just uh, uh, something very sensible, but something more sensitive, so the, for the people to experience like a dramatic change in the weather but in a very uh, planet that did not exist at all.
0: Can you just mention how long your collaboration with the artists took and maybe how as you were working with them, you're a working scientist, how the interaction maybe changed your own way of thinking about the problems you were working on?
2: Yes, yeah, so this installation with this particular group, this was the second installation, so we have been working together f- uh, for more than three years when we started this installation. So for this one, we we thought about from the start what we may uh, imagine as an installation to speak about being way to speak about climate. Uh, and, the, and we mixed the two universes, the one from the artist and the one uh, from myself. So the... Uh, The artists, they are working a lot with this, uh, they try to visualize the cloud and they have the motto that the cloud now are all made also by men, so you cannot differentiate between the real atmosphere and the atmosphere with the man man contribution, so the idea that the man contribution is uh, everywhere, so now it's it's part of any any event or any effect or phenomena on on the earth. And my own idea was to bring this idea of a very fragile layer. So the idea that we are on a space ship, ship we do not have an extra one. So we are just one one spaceship that is called Planet Earth, and on this planet we have no windshield, and we are just living in a, in a very very thin layer on the surface of this planet, very fragile. And if you see the Earth from space, in a way. You uh, realize that uh, this is first very fragile, and you cannot see the thickness of the atmosphere. So the atmosphere is just uh, more, thinner than a thin layer on the on the earth. And this idea of uh, this, the fragility of the atmosphere, will bring uh, uh, to me another uh, this idea that this atmosphere is not granted. So we have to protect that; it may even disappear. So this is the uh, the, the two ideas we mix together uh, to to have, finally, this, the idea of these installations. So we work on many, many different ideas, and we finally uh, focus on this one.
0: Very good. Um, now, Anique would like to ask you a question,
1: Jean-Marc. Uh, yes, you have been collaborating with artists for many, many years and uh, built many, many projects. How do you choose uh, your collaboration with artists? Do you have a scientific and artistic criteria or both?
2: in fact, I'm just just uh, <laughs> just say yes to any uh, demand from from the artist. So I've been doing that for, uh, as I say, more than 24 years. And usually, they are not used to the type of response I'm giving to uh, the demand of the artist. So they are more in the uh, search for some technical help. And I'm I'm carrying them in another uh, universe. I'm I'm trying to to expand what they. Uh, I, I want them to. Uh, to to go deep into the science, the scientific imagination, but then to be able to use uh, like a metaphoric or to write poems using uh, physical phenomena. So this is really the the uh, the way I'm, I'm collaborating with all the artists. So we, they, they, when they start, when they came, they think I will be a normal scientist, <laughs> but I'm not. And I, I will uh, really try to... Uh, to, uh, to inject all this, what we are deep inside us, so the, really the sensitive side of science. to uh, And then we, this will make art and science with a different nature than other art and science, because this is, in a way, for also from the inside. So this uh, also contains all the uh, the myths of science, and it's a way to uh, also give some uh, human side of science. So it's also the same idea that, uh, that is carried when you try to... Uh, to make real or concrete or, uh, or effective uh, the data to the people is the same idea to uh, to try to uh, demystify the, uh, science to uh, really show that the science is made by men so it's not something that is kind of universal it's something very fragile in a sense and something we may share so it's the idea to break in a way break the ice between the uh, between the public or the artist, and what is really the science, not just the, uh, the scientific proof. Okay, very good. Um, Anit
0: uh, would now like to ask a question to, to Michael and Sean.
1: Uh, yeah, obviously in this uh, in this project, and I saw you working, uh, there is a strong uh, public engagement and a strong social engagement with, with all kinds of, of groups of people. But I would like you to ask you a question, how do you consider your work as a musical piece. And once you place yourself on the sound music map, because in this piece, for instance, you put together um, computer algorithmic music, but also include the St. Catherine marching band. So how do you you consider and how do you see your uh, artistic creation? Hmm. Well, first of all,
4: I mean, what most people call music is, to us, a subset of sound art, so it's kind of a continuum. Uh, You know, I'll happily play, I can play a car, I can play a bottle, I can play anything, or a piano. It doesn't matter. They're all playable. It's part of sort of expressing something uh, through that instrument.
3: The sound element is, 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 and that's it, it's just one element. Uh, it's a, it's part of an overall package. I mean, you know, we're also interested in in the spectacle and theater and performance. So, you know, to describe ourselves as just sound artists, I think wouldn't be telling the whole mm. picture of what Soft A does. And of course, then there's the dialogue. I mean, the, you know, our practice is as much a dialogical practice as it is, a sound practice or a performative practice. Mm. We wear many hats and the more work that we've done together, those hats just seem to be increasing rather than decreasing. It's very hard to narrow it down and say we're specifically about this. And the good thing about having many hats is that you can wear many hats at different times.
4: Yeah. It's also, uh, I mean, it's, it's, to me, uh, sort of being able to switch roles every second hour between art and science is very valuable. Because some of the sounds you hear in Marv Creech, the actual, what we call the the piece, what you're listening to is actually, it's not recorded sounds. Many of them are sound models. We made hours and hours of field recordings, Mm -hmm. and we analyzed them in fine detail, and many of the sounds, like, for instance, the sounds of the sea and the wind and all this, are actual fluid dynamic models that synthesize new sound in real time but based on the data that we got about the marine dead zones just so that's one kind of auditory display well the medium is the message if you like for the more musical thing if you have violinists playing something or somebody playing saxophone in that score that's also from the data, where we creatively choose in what scale it's going to be, in what tempo. And we've done, we, should, we could call it data wrangled, the data to fit into that musical space. And we go over the data set again.
0: Very good. I, I'd, I'd like to take Anique's question to Softay and turn it around to Jean-Marc. So as a working scientist... How do you see your working with artists and art science collaboration in your own scientific work? Does it change your scientific strategy? Do you make discoveries that you wouldn't otherwise make? Why have you invested so much time in this art science practice as a scientist?
2: It's very clear that the motivation to go into art was to uh, observing uh, in fact, listening to one of my colleagues on the radio, and then I realized that when he was answering to the uh, the question of climate change, the world was, was the same, but the question in the scientific world and in the uh, the rest of the community was very, very different. And then I realized that why it was so is that if I'm just speaking as a scientist, I may just speak about proof and fact. And what we need really, because the climate change, as I say, is a too big question for science, is too is too big, and science would be too slow to answer this question, and what really is needed is that we should be allowed as a scientist to go into uh, other level that would be intimate conviction, intuition, maybe also fair belief or uh, mystical thing, uh, but we have to be to realize all this level, and if we go down in this type of level for the communication with the public. Uh, then we need another means for this communication, and also we may, at that time, we may share with the public because then we are we are, we no more speak as a scientist, uh, but we speak uh, more on the human side. So the debate may, be, uh, may, be, uh, may start again. If I speak as a scientist, I know the fact, I know the, the proof, and there is no symmetry in the debate with the public. If I speak as a as an artist. In a way, I'm making a proposal that is very open, and then the dialogue with the public may start. So the motivation was really that. And if uh, I see what this has has changed in my scientific practice, when you you do that, you realize, you visualize that in the scientific practice you have a total freedom, what we call academic freedom. So it's more in the matter of what I'm making many, many decisions each day to know what I will uh, search on, what is the subject I will uh, do. So the, uh, in this academic freedom, I need some guideline in a way. And this guideline, usually you have two strategies. Either you do that with your pair, and then uh, this is what I call incremental uh, physics. And this, the physics, is, or the science, is moving by itself. And it, this is the science disconnected from the people. And you may find the boson, the higgs, or things like that, very important things. Uh, But there is another way if you start sharing with the public because you are doing an artistical adventure with them, uh, then uh, you realize that maybe you should focus on another uh, point that will be the the key point for the, the, the essential research you should do, maybe different from what you will have decided if you were not interacting with the public in this way. So this is more sharing with the public Not only the the answer that we are of question we are asking ourselves, but to decide with the public which question we should address. So to start doing science with the public much before, uh, much much upstream that uh, what is done usually. So we don't want to do pedagogy, we don't want to do public outreach. We want the public to uh, outreach us uh, in the way and the choice we are making for science.
0: Very good. We don't have very much time left, but just listening to all three of you speak, I think it's very interesting, uh, really, to understand your, your deeper motivations, and I'm just wondering if um, Michael and Sean or Jean-Marc, you would like to ask each other a question.
4: Uh, when do we set up a new project working together, Jean-Marc? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: that's right. I say yes all the time. So. <laughs> so, <laughs> now,
3: I mean, I just want to make a, a comment. That, uh, you know, and maybe something that could be discussed later is that, you know, for us, uh, you know, one of the mo- one of the most fundamentally important things in the way that we work with the scientific data is to create this um, by sonifying it, by by flipping it into a piece of music, if you want to call it that. Um, we are able to create this emotional connection to the data that seems to kind of transcend a kind of traditional approach that people would have to scientific data. It it makes it real and it embeds it in a a, a place and that's very very important for us. And and the other, the second thing that's really really important to us, and more important in every project that we do is to take this work out of the institution of the museum and the gallery and to situate it in the heart of a community. So, for example, when we did the, we, we did two versions of the Marv Creative Project. We did the live performance in a boatyard, in Mooney's boatyard in Killy Beggs, uh, in which all of the local town was invited to. And that was very, very successful. And then we did the same, well, we did a different version of, of it. We did a, a gallery based version of it in Letterkenny, which had a, another completely different audience. And so, but, but for us, that first audience, the the local audience, Presenting it in that way, in that space, with that level of contestation around the scientific data was crucially important for us. And I think it's very, very important that when we do uh, engage with the public around science and climate change,
2: that we we take the work out to the public.
0: Jean-Marc, you want to comment on that?
2: I think the, uh, in, also it's a common because in, in many of the, uh, installations I'm doing, I'm doing, there is also, a, a sound that is used. And usually the sound is also bringing the installation in another universe, if you want. So the, the sound is really a way, I think, a very, uh, deep way to, uh, transform the visual aspect. I mean, even if I play, for example, with, with, with waves, uh, in another installation, there is a, a wave maker that is used as a, as a silent soft drum. And in this installation, there is uh, a music, a musical composition that goes with that. And the sound, I think, is really uh, a way to to transpose, I mean, to take the people in another dimension. So they will not see, for example, waves. It transforms also what you see, so not the perception. So it may be the perception of data, another way to get uh, access in a way or to make sensitive the data as, as uh, as you do. Uh, but it's maybe also a way to transform another physical effect into uh, something that uh, will be different because people will focus on different uh, aspects of that or really a wave may become something else than the wave. So you go also, you, you transform something that is the data, that is the visual data that the eye is uh, is uh, seeing and the, the brain is interpreting. So there is connection that we may... Uh, a between the, the two type of approach, I think, and there is a link that maybe uh, built on that. So I'm, I'm ready to collaborate.
3: Very good, thank you.
0: Unfortunately, we're uh, we're out of time here. Um, I'm going to let Anik conclude uh, our podcast.
1: Oh well, this is uh, difficult to conclude after what you have said. Another thing that was striking for me when doing this ebook was that Leonardo was not only publishing articles dealing with uh, water, but was all, has also been proactive, uh, in this matter. And we actually, uh, organized or co-organized, uh, three events. One was the lovely weather. Um, artist in resident project in Ireland. The second one, uh, was the spirit of water workshop in uh, Marseille with people from, from Africa deal- and dealing with what water means, uh, in their culture. And I think this is not necessarily, um, that uh, common. And also the last one, which gives the title to this ebook, which is the water is in the air workshop also in Marseille. Yeah. And to conclude, I have to thank some sponsors. Uh, this ebook and the Water is in the Air workshop are part of the Studio Lab project, which is a European FP7 funded project and uh, gathers uh, 13 uh, institutions throughout Europe. And it would not have been possible without them. And uh, we need also to thank the Leonardo initiatives uh, at the
0: University of Texas, Dallas
1: and the ATEC program that uh, Roger is part of, uh, because also they have been uh, tremendously supportive to this uh, entire project.
3: Thanks for listening to this podcast, which was brought to you by Leonardo. For more information about the journal, or to subscribe at a special listeners-only 20% discount, Visit mitpressjournals.org/leon that's L E O N and enter the discount code LEONAP24, that's LEONEP24 that's L E O N E P 2 4 at checkout For more information about Water is in the Air and other Leonardo ebooks visit the MIT Press Journals website at mitpressjournals.org and click on the MITP journals on your e-reader link